I'm Pete Primo. This is the podcast for furniture and mattress store owners who want to make more money without the BS. Welcome to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. If you own a furniture or mattress store or you work in one, this is a podcast for you. Episode 008, Pete Primo with Paul Castain. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Pete. You know, Paul is my sales coach, so that's my confession of the morning. <laughs> I also call him Uncle Paul. <clears throat> I call him some other names when I'm upset at him because <laughs> part of our relationship is he pushes me. And uh, one of the things, and you know, for those of you who don't know me, I'm 54 years old. Uh, my life has been about continuous development. And at times I've been better at that, and at times I've been worse at it. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of really wrestled with this idea of a coach when uh, w- when I had a midlife crisis and I couldn't afford a red convertible. I became a power lifter, and I hired a coach, and that coach led to twenty two w- national and world records in a period of about four years, and. I was one of the few guys that had coaches. Most of my guys had that I ended up competing in the big tournaments had coaches. The local guys did not have coaches. So when I was getting really, really serious about improving the service that I was given to, to my customers, I decided it's time to do the unthinkable. And that is for a 30-some-year-old veteran of the game to hire a coach and listen to him, and be a good student, and sit at the feet of the Jedi Master and learn. So that's what I did, and I will tell you right now that the results have been phenomenal. Um, my customers love uh, the experience they're having. They're having a better experience with me. Um, I'm a better salesperson because of Paul, and. So, number one, I want to thank you publicly, Uncle Paul. Well, and, thank you. <laughs> and number two, the way I got to know Paul is through a non-traditional way. Um, <clears throat> we actually met on LinkedIn. I became part of his group. This group, incidentally, is up to 48,794 people as of yesterday, Last night, he's probably got more in it today, and <clears throat> I was making a comment, that's a lot of people, Paul, and Paul said, yeah, but that's nothing. I, I throw people out of there every day, and, and and he does, because one of the things that really attracted me to, to, to Paul is that he was a no-nonsense guy. He, he wanted people in there who wanted to learn. If you wanted, if you were spamming, if you were just in there to try to hustle people, he would throw you out on your ear. And I, as a newbie, really appreciated that, and <clears throat> that further attracted me to him. And I think it was about a year later that we actually got together and did some coaching. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on continuous development and what are your thoughts on on coaching man that is just like a wide open question that you gave me there where shall we run with that pete right i mean my thoughts on it i mean 
it's uh it's it's a very interesting thing because when it comes to continuous improvement and continually coaching and and being the humble student i i, I guarantee you and it's not just a testimonial to your audience it's a testimonial to all salespeople. everybody's saying yeah duh of course of course you're supposed to do that but i think what we fall short especially in sales and i'll get into that in a little bit is that um we, we know lots of things don't we and we, we don't necessarily embrace the things that we supposedly know. Um, saying I know it becomes a convenient excuse or, or maybe, you know, uh, the translation for I, I'm not doing it. So my thoughts are it's, it's critically important. Uh, Pete, I heard something years ago. And when I say I heard something, that's a nice way of me saying that I, 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 I don't have the facts in front of me. But I mean, I heard this thing that I didn't even need to get the facts because I was just like, I, I don't even care if some guy in some remote cabin in like Vermont made this up because it resonates with me. I had heard that the average person stops learning at really any, any like substantial level right out of uh, as soon as they get out of college. And uh, now I'm an idiot because I can't just take something like that and nod my head and say, yeah, that makes sense. Even though I did nod my head and say it made sense. I had to beat it up, Pete. And I said to myself, well, wait a minute. The average person now, if they're really stopping the, the majority of their learning, I mean, we're always learning, right, in the human race. But I mean, that kind of learning where like the bulk of your life, you were in classrooms and you had that that. Uh, that mindset of the humble student, and you're going to class with you know with 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 your uh, with your cup emptied so that you can fill it with knowledge and all that kind of stuff. My my theory is, depending on how much fun you had in college, that either stopped at 22 or 24, or if you had a really good time, maybe 26. Now, let's take into account that we have to work longer now. I mean, it's just people are living longer. And for people to just kind of go out at 60 or 65 on a fixed income really isn't, isn't going to work with them. So they're working longer. So imagine having a career that started when you were 22 or 24, running well into your 70s now, which is about really where we're going with things, and knowing that you haven't really learned at a high level in 50 years. That's an awful lot of time to rust, isn't it? That's a very scary thought. Um, and one of the things, Paul, that I always told my children, if you go and get a college education and you graduate, I'll be proud of you. Mm -hmm. But if you stop learning, I'll be ashamed of you. you. You are to learn from now until the day or the hour that you die. Yep. And, and that is the only way that you are going to have a truly great life and be all you can be. Sorry for the army slogan. That's all right. Um, <laughs> they're, they're the new sponsor right there. Right yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I agree with everything. And, and so let's let's kind of drill this down a little bit, Uncle Paul, because as you know, my audience <clears throat> is furniture and mattress store owners, also RSAs who work in those furniture and mattress stores, and we have a few sales reps here too. Um, so let's talk about continuous improvement specifically for them. You know, you're a coach. You, you work with hundreds, if not thousands of people. You, you do seminars all over the country. You know, what are... 
what are the things that you would start with? You know, if someone's sitting here going, you know what, I'm that dude or do that. And I, I have not been learning as much as I should, you know, how do they start and how do they not overwhelm themselves? Because, you know, you can get to a point with this stuff where you 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 frazzle yourself and you, you almost like overwhelm yourself. So can you kind of like walk us through a typical day in Paul Castain's life? Maybe we could get some lessons from that. Okay. So a typical day and, and, and what do you mean? Like the, the types of, uh, people I encounter and, and coaching situations. Is that where you're going? Well, you can, you can certainly go off into that direction, but specifically, you know, when do you wake up? What do you do when you wake up? Ah, you know, um, that, what's, awesome what's your day look like in just general big rocks kind of uh, a way? Mm -hmm. All right. So I generally, I, I try to, and, and, and notice I said, I try to, because uh, that, that implies I am a work in progress with what I'm about to say. I try to get up as early as possible. Um, I have my, I, where I have my alarm set and where, when I actually get up are two different things, but I try to get up between five, uh, four 45 and five 30 every day. And, uh, isn't that true for everybody? We all try to wake up at a oh, certain yeah. time and we end but, up waking at a different time. That's it. And you know, it's funny because the one that gets me, like it's usually not the four 45 one, but the five 30 AM one, I have that alarm labeled because you could label an alarm on your smartphone. And mine is a quote from the movie Wall Street. And it says, this is your wake up call, pal, go to work. And that's the one that kicks me in the rear end that says, all right, man, if I don't get up, somebody's, somebody's getting my money right now. So I get up, uh, let's figure no later than five 30. But what I do, and this, this is why I think this was such a great question. I had to make a, just a, a fundamental shift and how I was starting my day. So let me start with the corny stuff first. You guys can disregard it. Um, before I tell you what it is, I just want to tell you guys something about corny. Uh, the IRS doesn't discount because you made money doing something corny. They're not going to say, yeah, I know you made that extra money, but it's corny. So you can't, you know, it, it's still income. I mean, so that's how that's going to work. So if you have to do something corny to get you from A to B, so long as it's ethical and legal, I say have at it. So my corny thing that I do when I, the minute the alarm goes off is I say thank you. And that thank you could be to who, you know, whoever you want to direct it to, whether it's the universe or God or, or your creator, whoever that is. But I say thank you because last time I checked, waking up dead is probably a drag and getting up to have a new day and a new opportunity to me is wonderful. And then what I do is I take a very quick inventory, like in like a minute or less, a gratitude inventory. What am I grateful for? What am I uh, excited about today? And I don't care. If it's like going, I'm going through one of the, the darkest times of my life or something like that, I need to find something to be grateful for because that's the reason why we're getting up and that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as, um, you know, having my wife in my life since, uh, you know, we were high school sweethearts or uh, my son was home over the weekend from college and the fact that, A, I can afford to send him away from for college and also that I was able to bring him back and have time with him and stuff. So I start with that. One thing I don't do is I don't watch the news. And um, now I can't live in a bubble either, Pete. I have to know what's going on in the world. That's kind of important. So I choose to take the news in my type of way, in bite-sized pieces. So what I do is I just check on my homepage on Yahoo and see what's going on. But I found when I was putting on the TV, which was my habit, 
or scanning the headlines in the New York Times or whatever it was, I found that they they really seem to love uh, to tell me about the 18 murders that happened last night or about which country is about to get in a fist fight with another one because, I don't know, they don't like their flag or whatever. I really don't even care, to be honest with you. But I know that they make money being negative, and I don't. So exactly, you know, I go for days without watching any TV. Typically, <clears throat> sorry about that. Typically, I do not watch TV. Um, I watch TV on the weekends, and that's it. Um, it's a great way to poison your mind early in the day. And, and I do not, you know, what I have manufacturers that I have to deal with. Sometimes they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Most of the time, they do, but sometimes they don't. I have retailers that need me to be the best I can be. And the best I can be is not somebody who's been polluted by a bunch of news. You know, I want you to finish with this, but, you know, some of my dealers and some of the listeners here, they're coming here for answers, Paul, and some of them are hurting. Some of them are wondering how they're going to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. Some of them will actually go out of business this year some of them will almost go out of business and this might be the turnaround moment for them so after you finish this thought or two i want you to tell them about your story because your story your comeback story paul is truly inspirational and i want you to to do that so sorry for me getting ahead no, that's fine. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't have to go into a tremendous amount of detail about my mor morning because it's probably going to bore a lot of people. But after I do that, um, what I do is I have a running laundry list. I mean, in my office, I always tell people there's two types of offices you could have, right? You could have the ones that look really nice and, you know, you have to have clients in and all that. But in my home office, um, I consider it a war room. So I really don't care how it looks. I mean, I kind of can the place look really bad or whatever. But I mean, I have this, this sheet of vinyl. It's a dry erase, not board, but sheet of vinyl that I bought at the store. And I have this exercise that you're familiar with, and it's called the 10 things exercise. And it's Yeah, that's now 10, the 17 things. Oh, mine is now up to 23. And, uh, and I keep it all up right, there. All right, mine's really 24. Say again? Mine's really 24. So you got to outdo me. Uh -huh. On your podcast, you got to one-up me like that. All uh -huh. right, Pete, I'll play this all day. I got 25, <laughs> man. I just added one now. You know, <clears> I'm sorry, me. but I miscalculated. I'm counting them right now. Actually, it's 26, Paul. All right. Listen, I think what we ought to do now is pause this podcast. You and I are going to go to marriage counseling, and we're going to get this We're gonna get this all worked out so we can continue this. But anyway, no, so I look at that list. And my my goal every single day is to chip away at the things that I've been putting off and the things that I need to do. And then, of course, I have my routine that I do on social uh, you know, media and things like that. And I like to do that before game time. Game time for me is for playing the game. So whether you're in a retail environment, you know, you have to be in front of your clients. Now imagine they walk in and you're like, yeah, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm on LinkedIn. That's not going to work. And in my world... When people need me and when I should be contacting them to have discussions with them, I mean, I can't be off messing around with LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. So I do all that beforehand. Now, to answer that other question, there's a nice little segue here. There's something else that I do that's very, very personal. And uh, I have this, uh, this, this collage picture frame. 
And some people call them vision boards and things like that. But to me, because I'm just uh, not a real uh, eloquent type of dude, I have this collage picture frame. And it's got nine four-by-six pictures in it. And I have pictures of the things that represent my why. In other words, why I get up every day, why I want to make more money, why I want to make a difference, and all those things. And they're very personal, and, and, and I'm actually going to share them with you. But before I do, I want to explain, explain something. I think somewhere along the lines, we were sold a bill of goods that it's greedy to want things in your life. It's greedy to want that vacation for your family, or it's greedy or whatever. And I disagree. Because I think sometimes when we start thinking that way, we're just kind of just subconsciously saying, and therefore I don't want to make money. There's also things that I'm able to do because I make money that um, serve other people. For example, I, I lost family members to cancer. I can donate to cancer. I have other things where I can give of my time because I'm making money now and I can donate time where when I first started my business, I couldn't afford to do that. But anyway, a few things that I'll share with you and then I'll go right into the story, Pete. So one of the things I have to have a picture of is a picture of a dorm room. That reminds me, man, I've got a hefty bill I got to pay with two kids in college, uh, a third uh, that's going to be going to college in a year from now. Uh, one of them is actually away at college. Those of you who are in my situation, you know that it's not an extra 50 bucks a year for that. So I have that. I have a check that uh, I have written myself. Uh, two times I've written this check. Uh, the first time I had written the check was in 2011, post-dated for January 31st, 2015, which we just passed. And it was for... Um, what I thought back then was a, an, an, you know, an obscene amount of money that I wanted to be making. And um, I didn't hit the exact amount, but uh, I put a new check on there, and it's, it's, it's a new amount. Now, the final picture that I'm going to tell you about, and then I'm going to get into the story and how I use these pictures. The final picture is a picture of my family and I, the very first day. We, we went to Disney in 2006, and it was the first day of, I think it was a 13 or a 15-day trip that we had taken. And that picture is there to remind me that I could do anything that I put my mind to. Um, so I'm going to tell you how I use these pictures, and then I want to go right into the story. Uh, I look at those pictures when I first get up because it reminds me that... Yes, I'm going to get rejected today. Yes, I'm going to be accepted and, and win deals today, right? It's all part of this roller coaster that we're on. But this keeps me grounded and reminds me why I'm doing things, what I'm working for. So when I'm rejected, I'm going to just say, you know what? It was just a speed bump. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to get to that destination. I even have a picture there of a husband and wife just kind of you know, clinging glasses and doing a toast. That reminds me that, you know, every single day I want to remember to date my wife. I don't ever want to be so bogged down in business that I don't forget about my high school sweetheart. So um, those are, that puts me in a real positive frame of mind. It gets me excited. Now, that picture represents the story that you were asking about. And uh, what had happened was <clears throat> I owned a business uh, a long, long time ago, my first business, and I had inherited for, inherited the business from my father, which made it worse, by the way, because if you've ever been in a position like that where you've inherited something that was your parents' love or a family member's love, and and you know they had passed on, 
you feel this tremendous sense of responsibility to keep that, you know, that legacy alive. And I did not. I lost that business. Now, I lost that business because I was just an idiot. I was an old dog. And, and boy, isn't this appropriate? I mean, we're talking about continual improvement. You could not teach me anything. And at the, at the ripe old age of 30 years old, I, you could not teach me anything. I was one of those people that was rusting. And uh, I ended up by losing the company because I didn't continue to build the business, continue to learn new tricks. And uh, I lost everything that I had. I lost the business. I uh, had both of my cars repossessed. This is way back in 1995. I uh, was $60,000 in debt. And um, I will tell you that paled in comparison because I just lost my self-esteem. I just felt that this is it. I'm done. I'm 30. And um, I, I chose not to go bankrupt. I chose to pay everybody off. And um, it took me a decade to dig out of that mess. And I worked nights. And uh, the year I lost everything, Pete, I, or actually the year before I had made back in 1995, $140,000. And um, the very next year, I was at $8.50 an hour running a printing press just to put food on the table. And it was a night shift from 8 p.m. until 8 a.m. in the morning. So, um, you know, I had to dig out of it, Pete. We do what we have to do, brother. Yeah. And now, I just want to add one last thing to it, and then, then uh, you know, we can, we can move on in the conversation. But the one thing that I want to tell you, and this brings us back to that picture, that picture represents something. Because what happened was, and this was a really good gift that I was given, uh, one of my father's friends... Uh, one of his dear friends uh, was a multimillionaire, and he came to visit me. And I always make the joke, not to give me a few million to dig myself out, but to give me some advice, which I think was, you know, he taught me how to fish, basically. And he had said to me, he gave me some really harsh medicine, because at first I thought he was kicking me when I was down. And he said, Paul, you know, I've known you your whole life. And suddenly, you just no longer have any vision for the future. You, you, you're acting as if this is it. So it is written. So it is done. Whatever happened to that kid that I knew that was going to conquer the world, which made, makes you feel horrible when you're going through it. And he said, you know, you need a dream and you need a goal. And I'm like, well, how can I when I'm broke and I have to leave my children at night to go and work in a job that I feel like I'm a loser? And I was delivering pizzas and stuff, too. And he said... You know, you always talked about Disney. He said, you need to set that as your goal. And I'm like, how could I possibly ever get my family to Disney if I'm $60,000 in debt and right now I'm making $8.50 an hour? He said, because the dream of Disney is going to make you earn a hell of a lot more than $8.50 an hour. You're going to find a way. So I began with a picture of the Magic Kingdom that I kept right there on my desk at home. Every morning I'd look at it before or every night before I'd go off on the night job. And then I got back into selling. And I, I remember I, I went from $8.50 an hour to a $19,500 a year base salary uh, at a franchising company. And I'd look at that picture. Every time somebody would hang up on me, I'd look at that picture. Every time I'd win a deal, I'd look at that picture. And I'd say to myself, I'm getting closer. And then I turned $19,500 later that year into $80,000. This is now 1996. Um, I was then promoted because I was 12th worldwide in that company because I kept looking at that picture and kept kicking myself in the rear end to get my family 
to that destination. And then in 2006, we went through the gates for real, and uh, we had the dream vacation. And I was given something to remind me that, you know, there's nothing that's beyond us, Pete. Amen. That, you know, being the mush ball I am, i am actually got tears rolling down my cheeks. I've never well, heard it in that kind of detail before. <laughs> you know, that gentleman such a such a blessing and the greatest blessing is that he didn't give you the money because if he had given you that money which he could have easily done he made that calculation this guy is not a millionaire because he locked out he's a millionaire because he has a millionaire mindset and he knew that he needed to refocus you and he knew that he god forbid had he given you that money you would have never become who you were capable of becoming. And he saw you from a young age. He knew what you could be. What a blessing, Paul. What a blessing. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%, Pete. Well, I, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I, I can't ask any questions because I'm like so blown away. Do you have any last-minute advice? on? Listen, We've got, we've got furniture and mattress store owners, RSAs, and sales reps on, on listening to this call. Any secrets that you've left out of continuous improvement? Do you read a little bit of a book every day? Do you listen to something every day? I mean, besides what you've shared with us. Yeah, I mean, I have, if we have time, I have a three-step formula that I would uh, – it, it will work for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're an RSA, you're a store owner. It doesn't matter if somebody else is listening to this and they just love listening to your podcast, Pete, and they're in a different industry. You could use it when you have to embrace a change in your life, whenever you want to improve upon something. So if we have time, can I take us through this this little formula? Absolutely. We'll make the time, Paul. Please. Okay, awesome. So the first thing, and remember, as you guys hear this, I want you to be careful of something. Um, I would be surprised if you didn't say duh. You're going to say duh. But as we go along, you need to look at it and say, well, do I know it and I'm doing it? Or do I know it and maybe I need to keep my mouth shut and actually do it? So there are three steps. So the first thing is it always, no matter what you're doing, starts with the mindset. So let me get the real obvious does out of the way first as part of the mindset. Well, first of all, you have to want to learn. It can't be the store owner's uh, initiative. Like, you, you shall learn, damn it, right? It can't be that. So you have to want to learn. You have to want to change. But now, let's go from there. Let's build on that. You have to have the urgency to want to learn now. Because the problem with us in sales, I don't care what kind of sales, is that we're busy. And there's never a day, trust me, that you're going to wake up and say, oh, my gosh, today is a glorious day to learn. I shall learn today. Today's the day. It never happens that way. There's always 20 million other things, and learning takes a back burner. Now, the other thing that you have to do is you have to be willing to make yourself vulnerable. And that's a really hard thing for us salespeople to do because, I mean, I believe that we are the most egotistical group of people on the planet, and that can be good and bad. On the good side, you know, the, the ego protects us from rejection. Not everybody that walks into the store is going to be friendly and bubbly and, and, and want to embrace your help and your guidance. There's some people that are very skeptical of us sales folks. So, you know, we kind of need a little bit of body armor through the ego for that. But on the other side, it's the ego that keeps us from going over to someone else who's getting a result that we want and saying, hey, Pete, could you, can you deconstruct that for me? Can you help me? Can you 
take me through it and help me with it. So that's important. But I also think humility is such a big part of this and in life in general. I mean, we have to be the humble student and keep going back to what I'm what I was saying before. You can't be so fixated on telling people and telling yourself that you know something that you don't do the reality check. And the reality check is this, and I hinted at it before. My reality check after, geez, 32 years of selling, when I find myself saying, I know that, I say to myself simply, do I know it and I'm doing it? Or, Castane, do you know it and you need to shut your mouth and stop taking you know, the, the easy way out? I mean, think about how easy it is just to say, I know that. But doing it, man, that, that's a little bit tough. So you need to do that. And the other part of mindset before we get into the other two things in this formula is that you have to have a willingness. We're still on one? We're still on one, dude. All right, good. We're still on one. And the other one's going to go. Number two is real fast, by the way. But uh, you have to have a willingness to invest the time and the money in yourself. And what? And I'm not just saying this because I sell this stuff for a living. I, I had this attitude from the moment I had to rebuild my life. Every single month when I would get my commission check, I don't care if it was an off month and my commission check was 50 bucks. I was going to invest something back in myself. And I don't care if I went on you know, Amazon and, and bought a $9 book or I bought something that was going to help me just in general as a sales professional. I did it. And investing the time. And, and taking the time to learn. There's never a good time to learn. So for me, Saturday, I mean, every day I try to do a little bit of learning. But Saturday mornings, bright and early, I try to get up closer to probably 4.30 on Saturdays. Nobody in my family with teens, they, they are not up at that hour. No, fact, they're, they're not. They're not. Fact, they might be going to college, bed at that hour. I was going to say, with a kid in college, man, I have, I have some getting in at that hour. But, I mean, so I, I'm going to do that, and it's not going to take away from family time. So step number two, you really have to acquire the information that's going to make you better. And for those of you, I mean, I'm sure uh, you've come across some people that are getting the result that you want. It could be right in your store. It could be someone else that you know of or whatever. I mean, taking that time to ask them. And even, you know, you don't even have to model people that you know. You can even model, and this is corny, people from history. I mean, I, I've had some of the greatest coaches in a way. I mean, I, I mean, I think about some of the stuff that Edison has done. I think, uh, you know, some of the things that other famous people have done. And from afar, I look at some of those things and I read their story and I learn and I get actionable things from that, which brings us to the third and final. You know, you can have the greatest mindset in the world and everybody always wants to tell you, you have to be positive. Um, and you can have all the information in the world, but most people stop there. In fact, there are some training organizations that call that the knowledge trap, meaning you have the attitude, you have the information, but you've never done anything with it. You haven't applied it. You haven't considered that showroom your laboratory. You haven't tried it. So action is very, very important. And this kind of gets into something that I think it was Rick Pitino said many, many years ago in uh, one of the books, what was it, Success is a Choice or something like that, he, he had said, you know, we have to kind of cast aside the traditional no notion that practice makes perfect. He said, and this is like a tongue twister the way he said it, perfect practice makes perfect. And Amen. so we have to have that dedication to that perfection, Pete. So uh, the final part of this is this. 
um, this is why I keep a journal and I, I write things down throughout the day. If I hear somebody say something in a manner that is awesome, I write it in my journal. I call it packaging. I love the way people package certain things. So I might have been describing a bed in a certain way, but then I hear, hear Pete describe it another way and I like it more. Well, you know, why not, man? So that's one of the things I do. But here's something that your listeners can do. And it's um, and I, I remember I first heard this when I worked for Dale Carnegie. They, they used to say that essentially there are three presentations. There's the one, like somebody walks into the showroom and maybe you talk with them a little bit. And now it's time to maybe tell them, walk them through some of the features and the benefits and, and have that discussion. Well, there's the one that you think is going to fit them. Like, okay, I'm meeting with Pete now. Here's the one that I think I need to deliver to Pete. Then there's the one that actually happens because sometimes what we think and how it plays out based on their questions and their reactions and who knows what kind of mood they're in that day. So there's the one you actually do. But really the most important one is the one that you wish you had had. When it's all said and done and if you have a quiet moment after that is done, after either they sign or they say, you know what, we got to think about it, we'll be in touch and they walk out the doors. If you have that moment, to stop and think about either what went right or what didn't go so right so that the next time around when you get it bad, you can swing more efficiently. I think that's a huge component of it. So it's mindset, Pete, it's information, and it's the willingness to take the action with that mindset of the humble student wanting to learn and get better. Unbelievable. I think we just delivered to our listeners a $1,000 coaching call. Thank you so much, Paul. My pleasure. And guys, you never heard of Paul Castain before. Um, just write this down. Pete Primo said on, what is it? April 6th? April 7th? April 7th. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It goes fast. It does. That... Paul Castain is the Colonel Sanders of sales training. He did not enjoy his success to late in life. Paul, you're 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 almost at midlife, right? You're about fifty. Um, some would say I'm going to be turning fifty. I feel like I'm seventeen, but uh, <laughs> but I don't look at it. Unfortunately, yes, I'm going to be fifty this year. And before this is all said and done, you will know his name, just like Zig Ziglar, Tommy Hopkins, or any of those guys. This is one of the most talented sales trainers I've ever met in my life. I've listened to everybody. I've read all the books. I've gone to all the seminars. Um, I've bought all the tapes and listened to everything. This guy's the most talented sales trainer I have ever come across. So um, you guys just got that for free. And Paul, if they want to continue the conversation or they're interested in what you do, can you give us a, a 20 to 30 second commercial and tell them how to find you? Yes, certainly. I mean, you know, my my area of expertise is quite simply I help sales reps, sales leaders, and business owners sell more. And the way to learn a little bit more about that is to go to two different 
uh, spots. The first one, quite simply, is YourSalesPlaybook.com. YourSalesPlaybook.com, you're going to find over 11, uh, actually we're up to 1,400 plus blog posts and a whole mess of free audio sales lessons. Uh, and speaking of audio sales lessons, that brings us to the second link. If you go to YourSalesPlaybook.com slash app, YourSalesPlaybook.com slash app, you can download the mobile app for the Sales Playbook podcast. Right now, there are over 130 free audio sales lessons waiting for you. Which, by the way, I have on my phone, and it's it's awesome. So whenever I am um, driving somewhere and I've got 20 or 30 minutes to kill, I just just find my phone, push on the app, pull up the latest lesson, and listen. So it's great, and it's free. Anything else, Paul? No, I mean, I just want to thank you for having me on and, and having an opportunity to talk about this. And and by the way, I mean, this kind of stuff, I mean, as corny as it may be, talking about continual improvement and, and mindset and all that, I mean, there are things that we all need to be talking about as a sales profession. And this is the kind of stuff that, you know, we're in the break room or whatever it is. We should be asking other people, like, what do you do to stay sharp? You know, t- tell me, you know, what are you reading right now? Is there something good I should be reading? Is there is there a website that I should be going to? And yes, you might get some, oh, you know, I got nothing for you. But sooner or later, you're going to you're gonna get a nugget of gold. And does it really take a lot, Pete, to make us, you know, better? I mean, do we have to have one, 10 zillion things or can we find one? One idea. That's it. So one, never underestimate the value of that one idea. One, one idea can change your life. Um, switching a couple of things around can actually alter the course of a business from unsuccessful to successful and RSA from going from being a dud to being a stud and it doesn't take much. So Paul, I thank you. I know uh, my audience is going to want to get some more Paul Castain very soon, uh, but we do have to wrap it up. Thank you so much. And everybody out there, we will see you uh, next week at 009. Oh, my Lord, this is going fast. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. We love reviews at our podcast. They help us get found. Please review us at iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, please subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Primo Furniture Sales. For more tips on selling furniture and mattresses, go to PetePrimo.com. Till we meet again, sell a million. Thank you.